Hi, you're tuning in to Rusty Thomas, where once a week he brings the brilliance of Scripture to every dynamic of life. For the last 40 years, Rusty has served the Lord as a father, minister, and political figure on the streets, churches, and capitals in our nation and abroad. You are going to hear compelling truths that will prayerfully build up your faith and equip you to meet the challenges of life with the confidence of God's Word. This is Kingdom Moments with my father, Rusty Thomas. Well, howdy, brothers and sisters. Welcome to another podcast episode, Kingdom Moments with Rusty Thomas. Grace and peace be unto you, my brethren. This is a grand and glorious podcast. Uh, I have the great opportunity uh, to do an interview with my lovely bride and matriarch of the Thomas Nation, the one and only Kendra Thomas. And uh, we've been on a, an adventure. Well, ever since we've been married, we've been on a kingdom adventure. Uh, but the last four <laughs> years, we've been on a labor of love together in writing a book about our son, Jeremiah Strong. Now, I need to set this up proper because Kendra did the lion's share of the work uh, when it came to this, what we truly believe is an important work, uh, the book, Jeremiah Strong. And so we're going to have a little conversation, husband and wife and father and mother of Jeremiah, and tell a little bit about our journey uh, and really how writing uh, was greatly used by the Lord to initially bring us together and eventually marry and uh, raise 13 children. Hallelujah for the glory of God. So, sweetheart, I got before we start, I, I just got to tell you, I'm inspired to say Yo, Adrian, we did it. <laughs> and, Amen. <laughs> yeah, and we and we did, honey. So uh, say hello to the folks. And, and sweetie, maybe uh, start off a little bit, honey, about your background uh, with reading and writing, uh, because you are uh, an author in your own right. And maybe share a little bit how the Lord used that to bring us together. Well, writing is um, a passion that I have. And I think that was fostered a lot because I was homeschooled. My mom homeschooled me and um, she really made sure that we had uh, trips to the library and um, the freedom to be um, really self-motivated um, when it came to our own education. So I was a voracious reader. Um, and then when I realized that writing was a tool to share my faith and also share the, um, I guess, the worldview, the Christian worldview and, and the different um, political opinions I had, I realized, wow, this is a wonderful tool. And um, I started writing as a young person. And then I, I guess I kept reading and reading, and I'm one of these nerdy types that actually loves reading books on how to write books. It's strange, <laughs> but I love that. 
<laughs> you weirdo. <laughs> and uh, before I know, <laughs> you know, and before uh, you and I met, um, Rusty, you know, I, I had written one book from uh, a pro-life anti-abortion perspective, but from a Christian perspective, a biblical perspective. And I think you you came across the book and um, you realized that I had um, some knowledge as far as um, editing and that type of thing. And um, then, then as our paths crossed, you invited me to take your sermons, which I had already heard and loved and um, edit them and, and compile them so that it could be the foundation of your own books. Um, and that was, I think, when we, even before we knew each other and um, certainly before we were married. Yeah, well, um, I think we found ourselves, honey, both in having a great need. And it wasn't just when it came to writing of books. You were a single mom with two daughters. I was uh, a widow, widower um, with uh, 10 children. And, uh, you know, your heart's desire was to be a homeschool mom, uh, but you were totally uncovered. I remember when we met, you were pursuing uh, a college career and pretty much trusting your mom when it came to uh, you know, the raising of the twin girls. And so, you know, you had this tremendous need. I had this tremendous need on a personal level, but then on a professional level, you know, you wanted to stay home to homeschool your girls. And I needed somebody to take my chicken scratch and actually turn it into books. And I knew uh, that the Lord really had gifted you you know, as a writer, as an author. And so maybe uh, share a little bit, honey, about your prayers along those lines and how God kind of brought us together under one pretext, which was to help each other on a, I guess, on a professional level, you know, to help you to homeschool and help me uh, to complete the task and start writing books that God had commanded me to do uh, for a while. Uh, but really never had the time. But during that time, uh, he was saying, all right, son, get to work. We got to get this done. So maybe explain a little bit, honey, how all that came about. That was really uh, it, uh, a miracle in my life, actually. Um, I think it ties in with um, somewhat of my testimony, too. You know, being a single mother of twin girls, and the twins were very, very little then, and um, and I, and I and I love the Lord, and and I knew from His Word that um, I needed a husband, and my daughters needed a father, and there was nothing on the horizon. It looked like, um, you know, I, I I would be single raising them, um, and. That was a real um, heartbreak, I guess. But I thought, well, you know, I'm going to just go on from here and I'm going to love the Lord. I'm going to look for ways to serve him and I'm going to raise the, the twins in the fear and admonition of the Lord. But I never really imagined I would uh, marry uh, again. I just thought that that was a door that um, 
would never be open to me again. Um, and then um, our paths crossed and um, I remember I was at a, an event, a ministry event that um, you were at and and I had heard you preach before and I loved your passion for the Lord. And um, I remember I just and it had this um, prayer that all I could say was probably Holy Spirit led. And when um, I saw you, I just had this thought, wow, he would be a wonderful husband and a wonderful father. And I knew you were widowed. Um, and so I remember one of my, the, the prayer I had that night was, Lord, I don't know how this would ever happen, God, but you can do the impossible. And Lord, just like you had Boaz feel um, a responsibility for Ruth and a, um, and you put it on his heart to care for Ruth, would you please give this man, Rusty Thomas, <laughs> a burden for me and the twins that he would want to help us, that he would feel a level of responsibility for us, that he would want to care for us. And that was my prayer when I went to bed that evening. And then when I woke up, I was still at this ministry event with a lot of other people and I went into the lobby of the hotel and they had the continental breakfast. So really, I woke up, I went downstairs by myself. The first person I saw in the breakfast area of the hotel, it was you. And you immediately came over to me and you said, I heard you're a single parent and you don't want to have to work or go to college, but you don't have a way to provide for your twins. Let me help you. I, I, I think I, I think I have a job for you. I think you can edit my sermon. And it was like, wow, that was an immediate answer to a prayer that only God knew. Mm. Yeah, and, and things kind of progressed from there because you were also dealing with the issue with the twin girls, especially Sophia, when it came to her heart's desire, I guess the twin girls were looking around and they obviously knew you and knew Nana. But when they looked at other families, they're going, Hey, there's something really missing in our lives. Kind of share that episode, honey, with Sophia. Well, that actually happened before um, the answered prayer I just shared. And, she was very young, but she was old enough to, to talk and and to understand, but still very young. And maybe she might have been like three and a half or four, um, very young. And um, she started to notice that other kids her age and other people she knew had something called dad <laughs> in their life. There was dad. Right. And she realized that there was no dad in her life. And so she came to me and she said, Mommy, where's my dad? Where's my dad? And I'm like, I'm sorry. And I'm trying to, you know, she's little. And I'm thinking, well, how much can she understand? So I'm like, I'm so sorry, honey. Um, you know, I'm sorry. And then I went to my mom, who is a, a faithful Christian woman. And I, I was heartbroken. I was like, Mom, what do I do? What do I say? And she's asking about a dad. And my mom gave really wonderful advice. She said, you have to, you have to be honest with her. You got to tell the truth. So I went and I saw Sophia. And the next time she asked about a dad, I said, I'm so sorry, honey, you don't have a dad. Um, but you have a heavenly father. 
You have a Heavenly Father that loves you. And I'm so sorry you don't have a dad, but God loves you. And well, that that didn't last long. <laughs> she came back again and she said, um, I, I want to play ball. I, I want to play ball with a dad. Where's my dad? And, and can you imagine? She is no no older than four. And she's understanding there's a great loss that she suffered. She knew she was missing something she was supposed to have. And it broke my heart. And I thought, oh, no. And so I went back to my mother, and I just needed godly counsel. Like, Mom, she, you know, I told her, you know, she has a Heavenly Father, and it, it, it's not enough. And my mom got real serious, and she said, well, you, you, you know, you, you've got to tell her, you know, the truth. You can't, you can't, you can't solve this yourself. So when she asked again, I said, Sophie, I'm so sorry you don't have a dad, that you don't have a dad to play ball with. Um, but we can pray for a dad and maybe your heavenly father will give you a dad. And I never prompted her, not once. And we'd go, we, we had that habit as a family, the twins and I, we pray together before bed every night. It was our, our habit. It was part of their bedtime routine. And so I would tuck her in and she'd say, God, please bless me with the dad. And then the next night, God, please bless me with the dad. <laughs> and one night she was in bed before I got to tuck her in. And I found her sound asleep on the bed with her twin, Maranatha. And she was clutching um, a picture in her, in her, um, arms she was hugging it and it was a picture from the fireplace mantle of my grandfather her great-grandfather during world war ii and she was holding this she was hugging this picture of a dad she wanted one so badly and um again i can't i couldn't answer i couldn't give her what she needed what she knew she had lost but God heard those little girl, girl prayer, that little girl prayer. And um, then he had, of course, Rusty and I, we, you know, Rusty, our paths crossed. And then God did um, this miraculous, um, beautiful thing where he brought our two families and made them one. Yeah, there was some other prayers that God answered along the way. And before you share that, honey, I, I, I do want to interject that. Um, that when I did come, when we finally knew that the Lord was bringing us together and, uh, you know, we were going to get married, I, I do remember uh, coming to that door in Wichita, Kansas, as I'm going to fetch a bride. And uh, I don't know if I rang the doorbell and knocked on the door, but whatever I did, I heard two squealing, giggly little girls run to the door, grab my legs, and just shout, Daddy. And boy, in one divine second, I knew those girls were my daughter, daughters, and I was their dad. I mean, it was like an instantaneous uh, connection. And I got to tell you, sweetie, from the bottom of my heart, those girls have been such a treasure, such a gift, and such a goodness to my soul. And I'm so grateful, so grateful what the Lord did. But I think there was uh, some other prayers that the Lord answered between you and I. Uh, do you remember any of those? 
Um, well, I know when um, we started our, our um, I guess, work relationship long distance, when you were sending me sermons and I was editing them and compiling them, making it ready for when you were ready to write your book, I was just doing the, I guess, the organizing and some research and stuff for you. And by the way, you are um, a re research queen. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I, as we were having this long distance work relationship, I remembered that, that God had immediately answered that prayer, you know, and just my Ruth and, and my Boaz and my Ruth prayer. And I remember that. So I put it away in my heart. Like I just kind of, made a mental note of that hmm. and as we had this um ongoing long distance work relationship i really really started caring for you a lot and um i then i would um, put out different fleeces um, and pray about them and see if the lord answered and one of the fleeces actually i did this twice so i did this same fleece twice one time i said well lord if you want Rusty and I to get to know each other better in a personal way, um, would you have them please call um, the pro-life, well, actually the Operation Rescue Office I was volunteering in, and you had never called when I had answered the phone ever, and boom, you called, and I answered the phone that very day, and then I thought, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and to make sure, to make sure I wasn't me, just um, <laughs> convincing myself. Yeah, I was, but through prayer. <laughs> so I, want, I put out the same exact fleece in case maybe I was reading too much into it. I said, okay, God, I've never answered the phone when he called ever, um, but it happened today right after I said that prayer, you know, within hours. So if that is really, you know, you answering my prayer, I'm, I'm going to ask you to have him do it again. Have him call, Lord, and that will be my fleece. <laughs> sure enough, you did. It was like a miracle. So I kept putting these little things away in my heart like, hmm, I think God's doing something here. <laughs> yeah, he sure did. He sure did. Well, there's much more to that story, but... But uh, praise be to God, uh, through other different means and ways, we just came to the realization. And uh, and I am so glad I remember uh, proposing to you and uh, going, one, two, three, in which each number was getting louder to emphasize you're marrying me with 10 children. And uh, I'll never forget your response. <laughs> You're like, well, what Christian woman in her right mind wouldn't treasure the opportunity to love 10 children? And I was like, ding, 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 ding. You are definitely the gal. And uh, sweetie, thank you for saying <laughs> yes. And I do. I do. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> All right. So, honey, we're going to yes. switch gears a little bit here. Uh, obviously, we did get married, and uh, that made 12 uh, in the Thomas Nation. And lo and behold, the Lord blessed us with Jubilee, um, which became yours, yes. mine, and ours. And uh, 
And altogether, uh, the Thomas Nation, 13 children, uh, 11 are still with us. Mm-hmm. Two are with the Lord, uh, Charity and Jeremiah. And, um, and of course, what we're talking about here today is the launch of Jeremiah Strong's book. And so, sweetie, um, not long after he passed away, I, I, we, we didn't, you didn't start the book before he passed away. It, it kind of happened a little bit afterwards. How, how did that work, hon? Uh, well, we, I think you and I had both been documenting Jeremiah's journey. Um, the Lord had given you, you know, um, yep. wonderful ministry platform and social media um, platform. Um, and you were able to really update people um, and, and ask for prayers. And that was so needed. And um, I think as the mom, when we realized how serious this was, that I felt also that um, I needed to reach as many people as I could to ask for prayers for our son. Um, and so for the, you know, the five, five and a half months that he was um, sick, I think you and I were already writing in a sense because we were updating people constantly. Yeah, we, we were. Yeah, I think uh I know it, at some point, honey, I felt like um, the only way I could describe it biblically, it was like when the Lord came to Moses and when he had called him, you know, to go to Egypt, you know, to lead the people out of bondage into the promised land. When he first called him, he asked him a question, well, what do you have? And he says, well, I have this staff. And then basically, Lord said, well, that's what we're going to use. We're going to use that staff, you know, as the symbol of his power and his glory and the enforcement of his commandment. And if anybody knows us, honey, we're we're a ministry family. You know, we serve constantly, you know, advancing the gospel of the kingdom, you know, throughout the nation and even other nations of the world. But when. Jeremiah got struck down uh, with this cancer. And most people don't even know I was under contract. If you remember, sweetie, I was under contract with Liongate. They were going to do this documentary about our life and ministry. And but once Jeremiah got struck down, I knew what our duty was. You know, my duty as a father and as a family, we had to be you know, beside Jeremiah. And and my thought was sort of the same, like, well, what, what, you know, in light of this, I had to break the contract with Liongate. I could no longer, you know, serve full time in the ministry because our duty was to to be near our son and care for him. So the only thing we had left, you know, to serve God, you know, was a dying son. That's all we had to offer the Lord and 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 the ministry unto others and um and so yeah i guess we were sort of documenting some things writing some things but sweetie at some some point 
you, you, you went like you were all in. You were like full, full blown into writing. Initially, was a memoir from a mother's point of view. And what most people don't know, you had turned our bedroom into a crime scene. <laughs> I mean, your research, your 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 attention to detail. You had two huge boards in our bedroom with sticky notes everywhere, pins, strings. Um, you, honey, you went above and beyond the call of duty. So kind of, honey, share with the folks, honey, what, you know, initially what you thought the Lord was calling you to do and in, in starting the outline put together uh, this book that has just recently been published, Jeremiah Strong. Yes. Um, I think um, you, you had suggested that um, we write a book um, to to continue our son's legacy. And um, other people had also asked us to write. It wasn't, it wasn't just within our family, but other people as well had suggested we write a book because um, there was so such a wonderful testimony, his faith and um, the power of God. And it was like his journey was like watching a, a movie was so many um, incredible things and you'll just have to read the book if you want to hear them all um, but when you asked me Rusty I took it seriously and thought okay my husband really wants this to happen and you asked me to research and and write it with the understanding that we then sit down together and edit it as a family and uh, which we did and by the way your contribution made it so much better um, it was, um, well, we probably, we probably need, we probably need to explain that, honey, because initially, and like I said, this is where you did the lion's share of the work. You wrote it initially in a particular format, which was when in the memoir format. And, um, and then as we, as you were, you know, letting me in on, the writings and seeing what you were doing, it was great. It was awesome. But the issue that then came up, because remember when we discussed the possibility of writing this book, we always knew that it had a, a strong element, you know, that could turn that book into a feature film. And so as we began to study the different formats, we began to realize that probably the memoir format was probably not the best fit for what we were trying to accomplish. And to your credit, and it was hard, baby, because this, this, this was your baby. You poured in a lot of time, blood, sweat and tears to write that book. But you were willing uh, to allow me to you know, enter in and we change the entire format based on a true story. And we began to write together to make it more screenplay friendly. And by the way, we are still praying that the Lord 
uh, will raise up the filmmakers uh, that will see the potential of Jeremiah's story and turn it into a feature film. And I would ask you folks who are listening to pray with us along those lines, because we truly believe when it comes to the release of this book and a possible feature film that God is not done with our son's testimony, that there is more kingdom fruit to come in. So, sweetie, kind of share with uh, the brothers and sisters what it was like with, with you and I now collaborating together, changing the format. And with that and that edit, I think, took about a year, if I, if I remember correctly. Uh, yes, yeah, so it has um, gone through a lot of um, edits, and um, I think I think it's definitely made it a stronger book. And um, initially, um, I decided to write it as a memoir because um, it was much easier to write from my perspective because I know what I was thinking, I know what I was feeling, and I could. Um, be very accurate about um, what happened when, where we were, because a memoir really, you emphasize um, real places, real conversations. Um, it's there's right. there isn't any fiction in a memoir, but um, when you read it, you realize that there was we were missing the most important aspect of it which was jeremiah's heart what was jeremiah thinking and feeling and um and though um it was very difficult to go back and rewrite um from the beginning um it was necessary but we didn't we didn't throw everything away we just kept the research kept a lot of the the um dialogue and and the um Form, but we rewrote it after many interviews. We did even more research at that point, and we actually cannot tell you how many hours of um, recorded interviews I have. We went to Jeremiah's social media posts. We we um, read his diaries, and um, we went through all of his photographs and his videos. So actually, the second um, rewrite was much more powerful and accurate. Well, not accurate, yes, much more powerful and um, specific to his circumstance than the first edit. And then after um, that, then there was a third edit when we realized um, it could even be more dramatic. And so everything that everything we've written about Jeremiah, his journey, is a hundred percent accurate. The only changes we made were when a, a piece of dialogue went unremembered. If we couldn't remember exactly how something was said. Or maybe we knew we had a conversation, but we couldn't remember in what context. Were we sitting in the hospital room or were we sitting in the cafeteria or were we sitting in the, the hospital lobby? Like we might have, um, you know, we you, you just do your best you can. And then the other thing that wasn't um, memoir anymore was that we got into Jeremiah's mind. And you and I know him better than, well, you and I and the children at home know him better than anybody else. 
So after we interviewed family and, and his best, best friend Jotham and his coach, Coach Bryce Frazier, we really had a good idea of what he was thinking and feeling so we could actually then go into his mind and share his perspective. So it wasn't just my perspective and then it wasn't just mine and yours. It was mine and yours and Jeremiah's. And I think really what's so compelling is Jeremiah's voice throughout the book. Yeah. And I got to tell you folks, um, when Kendra and I, uh, took that year uh, to re-edit the book, and there's been a lot, a lot of edits on this book. Um, it was an, an incredible journey because it was, you know, pretty much three years, you know, after Jeremiah had passed and Kendra had poured in three years of her life, you know, to write this book. And then the last year, the fourth year, was her and I together. And it was, it was incredible because we had to together relive uh, the entire testimony of Jeremiah's life, sickness and death, and how God powerfully used him uh, to touch the world. And so we, we could, you know, we sometimes we would go away for a few days alone and and I remember just sometimes laughing so hard you know that tears were squirting out of our eyes and uh, you know one of the things I had shared with Kendra because it's an intense book I mean it's it's uh, it's hard uh, there's a lot of suffering involved and I said sweetie we have we have got to find some humor we got to find some humor in this book. And it wasn't like we made up humor, um, but the humor was there. Uh, in fact, there's a classic uh, scene towards the end of his life. And I'm not going to tell you what it is. You're going to have to read the book to find out. But uh, but anyway, we would sometimes we would just laugh. And then, of course, there was times that we we had to relive, you know, the struggle uh, to try to save his life. And of course, there, there were sobbing, there was tears. We'd have to stop, we'd have to pray, uh, we'd have to seek the Lord. Um, but through that process, after four years, this labor of love, we now have the book, Jeremiah Strong, published. And uh, you guys can find it, you know, just do a search for Jeremiah Strong. We're having issues with Amazon. I don't know what their deal is, but it's on Barnes and Nobles. It's on, you know, other retailers. Uh, you can find it. It's in Kindle. It's in paperback. We should have an audio version, I think, pretty soon, sweetie. I know we're working on that. But before we sign off here, sweetheart, I want to um, maybe discuss what you think are some of the important themes, some of the things that you and I discuss when we were working together well, um, on this book? From, uh, um, can you maybe share a I little bit of those things? The, the book really um, reveals how to um, keep your faith through 
trials and sufferings. And I guess if I had to say a theme, it would definitely be life is not about you. It's not about you. It's about God. It's about serving others. It's about so much more. But life is not about you. And I think we saw when Jeremiah um, was going through his, his um, you know, bone cancer, that when he really accepted, and it was, a you know, a, a process that he went through, but his whole um, time up until God took him home, it was yeah. so much about other people. It wasn't about him anymore. It was about ministering to other people. Yeah, amen. Yeah, I think um, there was a few things that we wanted to kind of, you know, communicate through the book. Uh, one is obviously how do, how do Christians uh, respond to tragedy? How do they respond to suffering and loss in a way that honors the Lord? And... Um, that was, you know, that was uh, definitely, you know, one of the major themes. And to this day, uh, I still, uh, either through email or through private message or phone calls from people literally all over the world that are going through desperate and trying times, they'll contact me uh, for ministry because they know we have experienced firsthand, you know, that trial and that struggle, but they also seen us go through it with our faith intact. And, uh, you know, basically, you know, you know, blessed be the name of the Lord, right? The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And we were able to say that as a truth from our heart. Now we're still human. And we still feel the pain, the sting of it, the sorrow. Miss them like crazy, you know. Uh, but we were mature enough in the faith not to shake our fist in heaven and, you know, and accuse God. You know, let God be true and every man a liar kind of thing, you know. Uh, but I think, honey, I, we also discussed, like, also kind of using the book to kind of share um, the roles and function of men and women, you know, the role of a father, the role of a mother, the, the, the role of a wife and the role of a husband. And we, we, we purposely kind of set up the book at first, you know, it, it's, it's a dad, you know, fighting to save the life of his son. And, you know, we're talking, you know, what, six hospitals, two countries, and um, sparing no expense and effort, trying desperately, hope against hope, uh, to spare his life, uh, to see him survive and overcome. But there was a certain point, honey, and remember, I think it was in Tijuana when, when things took a, a turn for the worse that um, I called you and said, get to Tijuana, and it was uh, at that point there was a shift 
not that I was no longer involved in helping Jeremiah, but it became, you became more a, having a dominant role in his life. Honey, can you share a little bit? Because you had made, I believe, uh, where you asked God for something uh, yes, concerning and, um, Jeremiah's death. Can you go a little and, bit into um, that, sweetie? haven't heard our son Jeremiah's testimony. He very suddenly was diagnosed with bone cancer. What we thought was a minor sports injury ended up being an aggressive bone cancer. And he was given a 10% chance of surviving. Um, and it happened, his, his death happened in a five and a half month period. He went from the prime of his life, top health, you know, um, an all-star football player with sights on, of, you know, ministry later in life and dreams of playing in the NFL to his life drastically overnight shifted to the exact opposite of what he had um, lived. Um, and um, when when um, he did go to Tijuana for alternative uh, cancer treatment because um, traditional treatment wasn't um, helping him survive, um, it was very clear at that point that um, short of a miracle, he was going to die. And so at the beginning, Rusty, I think you were fighting and fighting and fighting and, and, and pursuing every possible cure and help. And um, you were just like a fighter for our son. And I remember at one point when um, I saw you in, in a hospital room with him, and I think it was, it was before Tijuana. And he it was before he he lost his ability to walk or stand. Um, we knew there was a problem because he he was in such pain and he was falling over. And I remember it was the worst possible pain we'd ever seen our son in. And I just saw you helping him, lifting him up off the floor when his when he fell because of um, the tumor we didn't know was in his back. And you carried him to the bed and you were fighting for him. And I just saw like Jeremiah as a boxer and you as the corner man. Like, and I knew you weren't going to, you weren't going to throw in the towel. You were going to do whatever you had to do to help Jeremiah fight cancer and win. But when we got to Tijuana, it was a different kind of fight. It was, how do we help our son die? And I think that's when the mother was needed. You know, he had the protector dad, and now he needed the comforting mom. And I think that's when there was more of a transition in, in our carols. Yeah, and I think, honey, didn't you... Um... Yeah say a prayer that yes, you asked the Lord please yeah, let me be yeah. by his side when he died was that was, that was like right. a so when that, he that was prayer first diagnosed your, we didn't, we didn't realize commitment, right? it was just a, you know if you've gone through a, a, a cancer or any kind of traumatic injury or illness you, you would probably understand you, you get 
information in layers and you don't usually realize just what that person's facing until you get another scrap of information you get another bit of you know understanding but i knew at the beginning that um, whatever he was facing could be it could take his life um but i didn't yet realize um his survival um uh, statistic. I didn't know it was just 10% survival at that point, but I knew that I needed to ask God for the strength to be by his side. And I begged God, I begged God, please, Lord, please give me the strength to be with our son through it all. If you take him home, be with him, give me the strength to be with him when he, when he takes his last breath. And that prayer I prayed throughout his entire ordeal. And God answered that prayer. He certainly did, honey. Now, I believe, too, it um, kind of helped you a little bit take the sting out of death. Yes. yes. Um, yeah. When it even comes to the notion of death, you, you it was... Uh, it, it, there was yes. some and kind of liberating if I could just uh, invite impact it had upon um, your own soul. Your podcast listeners to um, read the book or share it with people you know that maybe have a fear of death. This will help you. It will help your friend if they're fearing death because you see God walk Jeremiah and not just Jeremiah, but the mom and the dad and the whole family, his brothers and sisters, his best friend, his coach. You see how God walked this um, valley of death with each person and how each person came out on the other side okay. We were able to say goodbye. Jeremiah was able to give his last breath to the Lord. And, and as difficult as it was, God was with every person through the whole experience. So any fear I had of death before, and I did fear death before I watched Jeremiah face it, that's gone. It's just um, a peace and understanding that there is something better and death is a transition. It's not the end. Yeah, amen. We're going to conclude this interview. I just want to share this one antidote with you all, folks. Um, you know, if you if you read the book, it kind of goes from bad to worse. And just when you think it can't get any worse, it actually does. Um, that's why it's an intense book. That's why we had to try and find as much humor as possible. But was very interesting and this this uh really kind of tweaked a lot of people friend and foe alike you know when it came to our son jeremiah because you know he at, at as soon as the it became apparent uh this uh, you know aggressive bone cancer was pursuing to take his life you know he would just get one bad report and bad news one right after the other but he sort of had this moniker. He, he sort of had this response that nobody could figure out, except apparently Jeremiah knew something in the Lord that other people were not connecting the dots. But whenever he had a very challenging struggle or a bad report, 
um, his standard response was to lift up his two hands, give a thumbs up and a big smile on his face, like every single time. And this is the gospel truth, brothers and sisters. Five minutes, five minutes before he drew his last breath, and he was pretty much out of it. Five minutes before he drew his last breath, guess what he does? Yep, two thumbs up, and he cracked a smile on his face. And then he breathed his last, and he went home to be with the Lord. And I can remember at that point, I wasn't pleading with God to do a miracle, to heal him and keep him here with us. At that point, I knew God was going to heal him in heaven. And we became his cheerleader, cheering him on to go to the Lord, cross that line and to be with his Lord. So anyway, there's so much more to this story. And uh, I really would encourage you uh, to get the book and and also, brothers and sisters, pray with us because Again, I'm not speaking as a dad here or or even on a, as a minister, but really as an artist. Jeremiah Strong has all the elements of a great story. You know, and the best films are great stories. And we're praying that God will raise up those filmmakers who will see uh, the value of this story and want to put it on film. And we're trusting again that God will continue to use our son's uh, legacy and uh, continue to save souls, heal marriages, bring prodigals back home to the Lord and to their family and recruit more good soldiers of Jesus Christ into this battle. For the souls of men, the lives of baby, babies, and the future of our nation. So, anyway, honey, thank you, sweetheart, for having this time with me uh, to do the interview. You're <laughs> in another you, room, so as soon as we're done, I'll just run over there and give you a sugar. Is that okay? <laughs> All right, brothers and sisters, listen, this is uh, uh, Kingdom Moments with Rusty Thomas. And as usual, you keep pressing on to that high calling prize. In Jesus' name, God bless you.